This week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee's Summit. Hey, Jason. Big news. Yes. Big news. What's up? The big man, Santa himself, is coming to town and coming to Budget Blinds. Santa! Santa! He's coming to Budget Blinds December 14th from 6 to 8. Here's your chance to come hear Santa read some of his favorite Christmas stories, and you can also help out Lee Summit Social Services. Oh, well, that is, I think, kind of sneaky, the point, right? Uh, we're gonna, you can get some pictures. You can hang out with Santa. You can tell Santa what you, the very good boy or girl, needs for Christmas. We're going to be filling some stockings for those of us who may not out there that may not have as much as they need for this holiday. Gift cards, gloves, scarves, even some straight-up cash money. It's always welcome. Always. And if you help us fill those stockings, you get a print of your picture right there in the store. So come on out, 6 to 8, December 14th, Budget Blinds release Summit. Always, always, our good friends, our great sponsors, and a great, great friend of the community. Stephanie Zamora, welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to finally get this to sit down and talk to you because I think we've rescheduled this interview maybe seven, eight times. We have. Um, so I'm excited. I get to finally go a little in-depth with you about your story and your business. You are the owner and creator of Symbio Biz. Yes. Another co-working space in Lee's Summit. We're sitting in Bridge Space right now. I'm supposed to every once in a while give give them credit for this spot. Oh, it's an amazing space. It's it such is a cool, cool I, studio. I love this studio here. So before we get into Symbio Biz, yes. I want to start with you, actually, you, Stephanie. Yes, thank you. A little bit about, about you and how you got to, to being a business creator, an incubator creator. It all began on a dark, stormy night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all good stories begin that way. Don't they? They do. So you have a background in entrepreneurial avenues. I do. I do. Um, I actually started my first business when I was 10. Uh, My family was poor growing up. And um, so I didn't realize I was starting businesses to meet needs uh, (laughs) until I was older and went to school and realized that um, I was actually learning things like customer demand, supply and demand, things like that, uh, and using that to create businesses uh, for myself. I sold candy out of my backpack in junior high and high school. Is that Was that your business? Um, I sold pop at the swimming pool, and then I sold candy out of my desk nice. when that was totally allowed. Yeah, I paid for school supplies and activities and all kinds of good stuff. Um, but I didn't realize what great practice that was for later on. Um, I began my formal career in economic development um, at Casey SourceLink almost 10 years ago. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, Casey SourceLink is a network of nonprofit resources here in Kansas City that meet the needs of small businesses. So uh, while I worked there, there was about 200 nonprofit resources um, that it was my job to understand who they were intimately, uh, uh, understand what needs that they met for the business owners here in the community. Uh, and then it was my job to really help people connect with those resources, understand how to access them, um, and really understand the value of what was out there. Um, During that time, I honed my life philosophy, which is that uh, I believe that people's ability to be successful in any venture is directly connected to their ability to access appropriate resources when they need them. That sounds like you have written that out several times. I have. I have. I I developed it then, and (laughs) it's really at the cornerstone of uh, of what I believe. And so being able to- Well, say that a little more simply, I think. Can you you give us 
just what that kind of boil it down. What does that really mean? So whether that's financial resources, access to information, mentorship, uh, or just outside feedback, being able to access those resources when you need them allows you to grow. So whether that's being able to understand how to have a banking relationship and how to access funds, um, being able to know that there's a bank isn't helpful, but understanding how to utilize those resources is critical. That's a big thing. And I think that example right there probably says a lot to a lot of people and maybe can take away that intimidation factor of yes. you want to start your own thing. Because I think the hardest part is I have an idea. What Where do next? I go? Yeah, what next? Right. And, and we had on, on this show a few weeks ago, we had Rick Vire, who's, who is a, a local banker, talking about that, the funding thing and what you do after you have the idea. But that's intimidating. There's a big gap. I mean, you see a guy like him in the suit and the, right. the big bank images you know, around. That's intimidating to go from my cool idea yeah. I drew – to a bank, to a bank, and a suit, right, right, and so I might, in my opinion, entrepreneurship is kind of like the Big Bang, where you have to have so much energy, and all the right things have to come together at the right time to be able to really make it happen. Um, and because there are so many ins and outs of running a business, it's beyond just being able to perform your service well or provide a great product. You have to be able to understand how to market, bookkeeping, sales, relationship management, human resources. The uh, the gauntlet of the things that you have to be good at as an entrepreneur um, are huge. And so being able to say, I don't know how to be a great boss. I don't know how to motivate my clients. Where do I go for that specific help for human resources? So uh, I loved being able to work at Casey SourceLink and really um, understand people's needs and then connect them with the resource. Um, I had the privilege of working with almost 3,500 business owners over a three and a half year time period. So uh, we really covered the gamut of business requests. Um, then uh, about four years into that journey, I left there and went to work for the independent Economic Development Council, and I ran the Innovation Center uh, Business Incubator. And we uh, primarily focused on helping culinary food businesses uh, grow. And so that really helped build on the passion that I developed for the mom and pop businesses that I developed at Casey SourceLink. Uh, because what I found was that there was a lot of support for very fast moving, innovative, growth focused businesses. Those are the sexy businesses with million dollar revenues, uh, and those are the things that hit the Headlines. Right. I think that there's there is a big difference in types of entrepreneur. And I think, you know, I spent I spent several years after after my my weird newspaper career, I spent several years around commercial real estate and they all think of themselves as entrepreneurs and, and they are. Yeah. But it, it made me change my view because my whole life when I thought of entrepreneur, I thought of the mom and pop. Okay, interesting. You know, I only yeah. thought of the little The construction thing. company. Right. The... I didn't think of the bigger, sexier things. That's just not where my brain was. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, I, I'm curious about how you how you then kind of honed in on that smaller, as you said, less sexy yeah. type of entrepreneur. It all had to do with being aware of the problem. So at the time, uh, the recession was hot and heavy. Um, I'll take you back. Banks were closing on the daily basis uh, and nonprofits were closing as well. At the same time, the Coffin Foundation had tightened up their funding uh, and some of or the organizations that had served disadvantaged populations were going away. 
So loan funds that had previously existed closed up at the same time that the banks were closing, at the same time that uh, places like the uh, First Step Fund were closing. And those were some of those nonprofit quasi-government agencies that served uh, more that day-to-day mom and pop, not innovative. We're not, you know, creating the internet. We're not innovating. We're just meeting the needs of the day-to-day people. Um, so those, there, there were fewer and fewer resources for those folks. Um, and those were also the people who were calling because they were failing. Their businesses were failing. Um, things were really hard. And um, nobody really knew it at the time. Uh, but my business was also failing as well. Uh, at the time, my mom and I had had a real estate business. And while I was pouring my heart into these 3,700 businesses who were also failing, I was going through bankruptcy. Uh, and so I was able to be really compassionate with those folks uh, and be an understanding bureaucrat uh, because we were answering the small those business hotline. Those two words hotline. don't go together often. Right? And so <laughs> it was not uncommon for me to end up, you know, in a, after a 15, 20-minute conversation answering the Missouri Small Business Hotline, which you're expecting a bureaucrat, for the people to be crying by the end of the conversation um, because they felt like they had hope. They felt like somebody understood and that there was a potential for things being okay. Um, and so what I saw, though, that was that those folks felt like by having resources, by having um, a counselor and knowing who it was that they could call and having a solid phone number and a name, that they knew that there was a way out. Uh, and that's really where that personal philosophy came from, was being able to see people see their own way out of a difficult situation by utilizing resources. Um, a lot of the questions we were getting was about funding. And there weren't banks at the time. So we had to talk a lot about marketing, because what's the best way to bring in money into your business? It's not from a bank loan. It's from more customers. Right. Right. right, and 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 again, your type of marketing is gonna is gonna be a little bit different. Right, with the type of type of right. entrepreneur you're you're talking about. I want to fast forward a little bit. I want to talk then about how this your your business was was yes. was struggling and 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 ending. Yes, you were working with all of these others through another mm-hmm. entity. So. So when did it evolve to hey, my next business, my next big idea? is to take what I'm doing over here with the independence group uh-huh. and then and do it on my it. own. Absolutely. So uh, I had a baby uh, and made that things. That changes everything. Changed everything. And I had two older stepkids. So I'd been a part of a family unit. Um, but having a baby, um, a high needs, non-sleeping, breastfeeding, constant needing me baby, um, changed everything and really made uh, my business hard. So my husband and I run a security company. Um, We own a security company. We do access control, fire alarms, security systems, and things like that. We've been in business for about seven years. Uh, But what I found was having my son made doing the things that I did in that business significantly harder. Um, Timelines were not being met um, because I was up all night. Uh, And it's really hard to function and meet timelines when you haven't slept in two or three days. kids. Right? Right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, things start slipping up. And um, I what I felt like was that I didn't have an authentic place that I could be myself on social media because I had these backgrounds and uh, had a you know pretty good connection with the startup community. I had a place that I could be with the startup folks, but I didn't have a place that I could be myself and be authentic and be exhausted. Um, so I created a Facebook group um, that is called LS Entrepreneurs. Um, it was started almost three years ago by myself and a couple of friends. Um, And it was created to be an authentic place where we could be moms, um, 
and dads in this messy parent entrepreneur thing. Um, and three years later, we are 650 folks strong. Uh, most of those folks are here in eastern Jackson County. Um, they are uh, most for the most part, very informal. Um, I would almost call it kind of an underground economy. Um, these folks are, most of them have not registered their business. They don't have business licenses. Um, All those working they don't for the know city how to do it. need to close your ears. Right. No, well, actually open your ears because when I, part of what I want to be able to do is really take down the barriers. Um, a lot of these folks are not registering their businesses because they don't feel real. Or they don't know that or they, they need don't to. don't know how. Yes. Because not every city yes. has a local business license. Not every city has the same process for getting one. Right. And it's overwhelming and it's scary. Um, so we've done some things like when I went and put got the business license for Symbiobiz, I went live. And I interviewed uh, the folks right at the business license in the entrepreneurs group to show them, here's the gal, here's her face, she's super nice, here's the form. It's $50 um, and it's really easy. It's really easy. But I had to show them how easy right. it was. So that's a lot of what we're doing at Symbiobiz is taking down those barriers that allow those businesses that have been operating in a very informal way to do business like real businesses formalize their business learn marketing strategies implement strategies on a regular basis uh, and really grow or not grow right i'm going to put a pin there because yes. i want to come back to 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 you talking about that kind of a group of all worlds colliding where you're the parent and you're the business yes. owner and, and, and i want to come back to that but how did you get from facebook group which we all love the social media groups we all love a place to belong we do but that's not a business. No, it's Symbiobiz not. is which, a actually a nonprofit. Is a it is. Yes, it is a non-for-profit. Uh, we'll be applying for our 501c3 in January. So how does how did you get from Facebook group to starting a not-for-profit which by the way kudos because starting a not-for-profit and Making that 501c3 application is not easy, nor is it fast. It is not. It is not. And how am I doing that? I'm connecting with resources that will help me do that. Uh, and these are resources that I connected with at Casey SourceLink. So if I can give a little plug for the Entrepreneurial, Legal, yeah, the Entrepreneurial Legal Services Clinic at UMKC is an amazing organization. And they provide free entity setup um, and legal services for entrepreneurs uh, around the Kansas City metro. So um, if you need business resources, they you know they can help you with those entities and those are legal uh, law students so um, they'll be helping with that process awesome uh, but how did we get here that was your original question yeah how do you, uh, how do you go from and I and I, I think I'm following your your idea so the way your brain worked to right. get from one to the other right but how did this all but happen? making that physical transition and it's I don't know if it's a transition is the right word because your Facebook group is still active it absolutely is and but, it's functioning outside of Symbiobiz but I guess adding Maybe it's adding to. Well, we had this physical location kind of get dropped in our lap, uh, which we were not expecting. I would have just continued to grow that group. It very much supported the coaching, the business coaching and counseling that I've been doing over the last couple of years. Um, and I really just enjoyed that community. So my plan was just to continue to grow that and allow that group to meet the needs of its members. Um, then last January, uh, Jill Sullins, who is the pastor at South Summit Christian Church, um, she was one of the, like, 
like to call them creepers in my group, <laughs> the people who are not responding, but they are engaged. They're watching the posts. Um, she had been in the group, and we were connected by a gal named Julie McKinley, uh, who owns Storybrook Theater. She connected us. Um, Julie and I had been working very closely as she was looking to find a new location for her business. And we were talking about what things she needed to do as a business to position herself as a partner to be able to utilize somebody else's unused stage. And that's really where all these ideas came from. Uh, Then she connected me with Jill um, as she was in her process looking for a facility for her business. Um, Jill said, I want to support entrepreneurs in the community, but I don't know what that looks like. Do you happen to know anybody that could come up with a cool and innovative program? And Julie said, I know just the person. Um, And so I came into that space and Jill and I connected and we saw that there was an opportunity to meet the needs of entrepreneurs that are not currently being met uh, here in the market. Uh, And that's the need of parent entrepreneurs. Uh, As I mentioned, I spent the last 10 years working in economic development. And what I found is that there's a lot of support for very fast growing businesses with lots of employees. But for those of us who have slow-growing businesses that may not grow at all, um, there's not as many resources available to us. Give us some examples of, because you've you've said mom and pop and you've said the small... What give us some examples of the type of businesses these are? Okay, so this would be the graphic designer who went to school, went and started a career, and then got pregnant. Uh, what I find is that that uh, that that person uh, is much more likely to want to use her skills or his skills uh, that they had as a graphic designer, but they want to focus on their kids. So they've started a freelance business doing this on the side. It's all these kind of side gigs. It's um, the art student. Are we in the age of the side hustle? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is all the gig economy and how it's showing up for parents um, and for so many of our... So it's not always the the young kid. No. No. And it's... I think that's the part maybe we were missing here is that, 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 that this isn't just the... 18, 22 year old driving Uber. No, it's the 35 year old mom who is an art student that does crafting businesses on the side. And she's doing wine and paint parties and she's bringing in, you know, $20,000, which is not groundbreaking. And it's also not insignificant. It is not insignificant. It is incredibly significant. And what we found is that those parents are also incredibly engaged in the community. And that impact is not being collected. Uh, And I'd like to collect that. I really like to change the narrative on uh, what the expectations are and what the value is that parent entrepreneurs can uh, bring to the community. So even if somebody is just creating $15,000, $20,000 in side income that allows them to stay at home with their kids, they may be homeschooling, they may be volunteering in political campaigns or active in the community. Um, Those impacts currently are not being connect, uh, collected. And I'd like to change all that. Well, then that, I think that leads us then to, so so SymbioBiz is the place for that yes, person. Yes, yes. Well, actually, SymbioBiz is uh, an innovative approach to economic development. Uh, we take underutilized spaces in the community and match them with uh, entrepreneurs that need those spaces. So it may not always be your space at this church. And Absolutely say the name not. Of the church again. Uh, South Summit Christian Church. We're over off of Hook and Ward Road. The address? Uh, 1121 Southwest Hook Road. Okay. 
Um, so no, absolutely not. Um, this is the first SymbioBiz location, but we will have many different locations. So this could look like maybe a large a law firm has an extra two or three offices in the back that they're not utilizing that they could use for an entrepreneur um, to use in their space. But the same way that you would not go to Russia and pick up some random Russian kid off the street and tell him to come live in your house and be an exchange student, you wouldn't do the same thing with a business. So that's the structure that SymbioBiz provides. So it's finding the appropriate place as well as an available place. Correct. And we're providing all of the background to make sure that that person's ready to be successful in your space. So one of the things that I learned at the Innovation Center was um, often businesses will start before they're ready. And they cause lots of problems for themselves. Uh, I'm rethinking my own history right now. Right. So our application process is quite extensive. Um, The application to be an entrepreneur and use our space at SymbioBiz is about 11 pages, uh, which seems like a lot. But when you think about it, it's actually a stripped down business plan in a fill in the blank. So I've taken the, the whole overwhelming process of developing a business plan and stripped down you know, the feasibility piece. Does the numbers make sense? Who are you most likely to sell to? How do you plan on connecting with those folks? I'm trying to get them to help to put the cart, the horse before the cart, so that they don't have these problems later on where um, you know, they've had some accidental success, but then doing that success then again on purpose becomes hard. I would say, from my own experience, recreating the accident is the hardest thing. It absolutely is. So, But I'm really good at being able to see what the accident, what the uh, situation was that caused that accident, and then helping you duplicate it again in the future. Um, that was really what I learned at KC SourceLink, because people were calling for business loans that didn't exist. Is that on your business card? Stephanie Zamora, professional accident spotter? You know, it probably could be. It definitely could be um, because I, I really believe that entrepreneurs take that shotgun approach um, to entrepreneurship and to starting a business because you really have to. You're not sure what's going to work when you start. But It's very hard to be a sharpshooter right? in the beginning. No, you can't be. You have to really take some chances and then you have to take that as feedback. Uh, my other personal mot- motto is that entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, are not risk takers. We are researchers that take calculated risks. So that we take that shotgun approach and then we take that feedback and say what works and then we do it again on purpose. That's the difference between a successful entrepreneur and somebody who's, you know, shooting from the hip all the time, never quite sure how to how to make it be successful. So um, that's really what we'll provide for all of the SymbioBiz locations. But this one in particular is special and it's near and dear to me because it is a family business hub. So the concept behind this is that uh, we as families uh, and individuals have, we know that we need to be a part of a village. We know that we need other support. And um, this is a place where those businesses can do that. So SymbioBiz uh, at South Summit Christian Church is opening up our space and allowing entrepreneurs to come in and use our space. So we've got place for uh, maybe fitness instructors that need a part-time drop-in space to you to do their fitness business. They've got, we've got space for maybe a uh, dance studio that's just looking to get started. Maybe they want to have classes two nights a week, but they don't want to have to have a whole, you know, $2,000 a month lease right. for a building. We, they're just paying for the time as they use it. Uh, and as I developed this concept, I came across this uh, business as I was teaching a fast track class at UMKC called FlexPlay. Uh, and FlexPlay kind of helped um, set the tone for what our family business hub at uh at South Summit Christian Church really looks like. Um, Flexplay is a co-working space with childcare. They are the first co-working space with childcare here in Kansas City, and they provide a unique set of uh, 
benefits to the other businesses that function out of uh, the Symbiote Biz Family Business Hub. So we've got a wellness space where people can use, uh, maybe you're a massage therapist who wants to do business two days a week, you need childcare, your customers need childcare, they can use that flexible care provided by FlexPlay. Um, maybe you're a talk therapist and you would just like to do business a little bit. You don't want to have to have the pressure of running a full business and paying for a space and, and you know, having the customer base to, you know, support that space, you know, your kids are the priority. Um, but to be able to use your brain and time and talents uh, is really valuable. Well, this leads me back, I think, to where I put the pin in earlier, which is uh, I'm most intrigued about is this type of entrepreneur that you were, you were describing. This is not the, the thing we often hear about. So this is the person that wants to merge all parts of their life yes. into a little different balance. I think, you know, off air, you and I talked a little bit about how there were a couple of generations. There were the baby boomers and then my generation, Generation X, which was a very success-driven out uh-huh. mo- motion path to success and what's and definition of what that success was. And mainly that success was about acquisition, whether it's wealth or, th- wealth or things. Yes. Um my generation, we want balance. Right. So now we're seeing more people who, who say, you know, I want the things, mm-hmm. but I also want quality present time with my family. Right. I also want to be able to do these other things. I want to be uber involved in the community and have the volunteer time. I want to go over to my with my kids. So... And that's what I found in the entrepreneurship that group that I was running. But what I found was that those parents had extremely high expectations for themselves. So they expected themselves to function as stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads. They expected themselves to function as full business owners and were not accounting for that those two things as 100% are not able to have. You know, you can't really make that happen. Mathematically speaking, it doesn't work. But to have a 50% business, you know, works. You know, maybe $100,000, $200,000 isn't the goal. How much of that is, how much of that, though, is changing our definition of success? Uh, or huge. maybe not changing ours as a culture, but these people changing for themselves the definition. It's huge. It's huge. And a lot of the strategic planning that we do is really designed around helping people understand what are your requirements for your life, where it, what, that's the really, like, what do you really need out of your life to be happy? Uh, and then how do you build that business around that in a way that makes financial sense? Because that's key. Uh, it has to make financial sense because this is still business. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all happy to be free, floaty, and loving, uh, but really to um, be able to have a business that makes money at the end of the day is critically important. Right. And I think a lot of them are not um, not able to make things be quite as successful as they like because they don't see themselves as real business owners. If personal happiness is part of your definition, how do you measure that? Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. Um, so some of the metrics that we're going to be collecting, um, backtrack, I had some amazing mentors at Casey SourceLink. And I learned that um, being able to have a successful, sustainable nonprofit means that you have to be able to tell the story of the services that you're providing and the needs that you're meeting. Uh, and this is going to be a little bit of a I hard story to business. tell. 
Absolutely. And particularly when you depend on people bringing money in and donating money, um, being able to really clearly describe that uh, and communicate that is critical. Um, So collecting data is key. Um, Some of our metrics that we're collecting are related around service hours. So are you invested in the community rather than just um, how many people did you hire? Because a lot of times the answer is going to be half of me. Right. There's never going to be anybody else. Yeah. For so for this this group that you're, you're you're serving and you're working with, how many of those are I'm never going to hire an employee? That's not in the plan. Well, I think currently it's not in the plan uh, because they don't see themselves as real. They don't understand how to make how to get past themselves. So that's really what I'm hoping to provide them with is some of that business background, um, and I would say still. I would say a good half of them are never going to grow past themselves. And we would like them to feel amazing about that that accomplishment. And and, and so is that okay? Can you still be be a success if if your plan is to never scale beyond that? Absolutely, because success is more than than dollars. And I think that's a story that we're looking to tell. Um, The other incubators and accelerators around town are all around helping businesses grow so that they can grow out and get their own space. Where our program is quite the opposite, it's really to allow them to incubate uh, within our space and grow within our space. And our hope is that if it's right for them, when their kids do go off to school and life is a bit freer, they have more free time, that maybe then they will have the business skills and strategies to be able to grow past themselves and to bring in a staff and understand how to leverage business principles, um, solid business principles to really grow. A lot of what you're doing is is about, like you said, services, connecting to resources. Absolutely. That kind of a, a, a service. So tell me a little bit about, I guess, I guess the program side of SymbioBiz and how you're going to make, make create, I guess, and then provide those connections to different resources. You've already plugged some, yes. and that's fine. We're good with that. But um, you know, how do you how do you bridge that gap? So a lot of what we're looking to do, our programming is quite different. Um, I'm piloting a concept called working shops. Uh, and so the concept is, is that we're creating, uh, we're providing a smaller amount of content in uh, a class time and then allowing people the opportunity to work on that content and make it applicable to their business. And then we'll provide follow-up afterwards. Um, there's also, we found some unique ways of getting that co-working magic where you get that collaborative uh, experience in the class as well. So smaller amount of content, time to work on the, the thing in class, and then that expert feedback is still in the room and then the peer feedback. So rather than uh, my experience has been that I've left business classes and then uh, the papers get tucked into my briefcase, life happens, a new sale, you know, we get sales, something great happens, something bad happens, uh, and that thing doesn't get implemented. Um, So we're looking at how we can take this process of learning how to be real entrepreneurs, uh, break it into smaller pieces. Um, So maybe we'll do, we're going to do a pricing workshop in February. We're going to talk about um, the different perceptions and the different ways that you need to think about pricing. And then we're actually going to do some research and then give people feedback on site about their pricing. Pricing is another difficult, difficult thing. Oh, to gosh. To figure yeah. out how to charge yourself. You mm-hmm. charge your time. Like yes. val- Put a value on your time and effort. Right. 
because I, I think we all, you know, we all have these lofty goals, but we also have this like realism thing inside. What it's will like, somebody actually pay? Yeah, well, well, and 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 none of us really lo- like. Well, I don't want to say none of us, but a lot of us don't want to step on the ledge and go, "I'm worth this." Oh, it's that's when the worthiness issues pass, pop up every single time. Because that's saying that I am worth that dollar amount. Uh, it's and hard. It, it is really hard. It is really hard. So that's where we use research um, to make that solid choice about where our price is going to be based on market research, not guesses. Uh, and we allow the data to drive our business decisions. So we're going to talk about how to use that data to drive your business decisions, but also on um, the psychological uh, aspects of pricing. Um, and so we'll that is a piece of content that is taught in the fast track business class, and it's a um, about a twenty five hour coursework uh, worth of coursework. It's amazing, but for our entrepreneurs, attending something like that is just not possible. So we're going to spread it out over a year, month to month. Um, we've got social media meetups where we are collaborating, providing ideas. It's hard to come up with your own ideas, but what we found is it's super easy to come up with ideas for somebody else. It sounds almost like it's we're going to bring the Votech school into you. Right. Right. Which is kind of a nice turnaround, nice flip of that that education script. The same way that we're trying to take the walls off the of economic development where you don't have to have a formal incubator space, you don't have to have a formal co-working space. Um, we're, we're doing the same thing with programming and classes. It doesn't have to look the way that it did before, um, which is a little bit messy and different. Um, some of our classes are, because we hit so many wide ranges of people, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It sounds also like you're kind of embracing the messy. I mean, you know, life is a little bit messy. Oh, you're gosh, talking yeah. about about business owners who who are emerging. Chaos my, is at the center of everything right, for us. Right. I've got I've got a three year old. I've got, you know, a newborn. Right. I'm taking care of elderly parents. I mean, all these different things. Or just, you know what? I don't want to drive to downtown Kansas City anymore and do that. Right. Grind. Right. But I want to stay involved in my local community, and I want to try this this thing, this yes. business I've been doing. Yes. So let's kind of wrap things up here and yeah. say, for those that have that type of business, they want to get involved with SymbioBiz. They want to use yeah. those resources. Maybe they're looking for space. Who, who, who are those types of people okay. that you're good for? And then how can they make contact and start the process of, of getting involved? Well, there's two ways to engage with the Family Business Hub. Uh, there's FlexPlay, which provides drop-in, flexible, on-site child care for, uh, for work days. So if you need a drop-in work day, you need um, – for your loving, beautiful helper to have <laughs> some activities that have nothing to do with you. Mine is my associate producer. Right, That's there you I go. Uh, and so FlexPlay is providing a Montessori-style uh, child-led learning program, not drop-off daycare. Um, so you can engage in that, and that's a very drop-off need. Um, you don't have to go through a formal entrance process or anything like that. You can use it as you need, and you pay hourly. Um, but if you would like to become a resident entrepreneur at SymbioBiz and, fu- and function in our space, um, you can go to our website website, which is symbiobiz.com. 
www.ncpa.com and click on apply now. And there is an application process and information about um, using our space. Um, there is an application fee that includes business support, a ton of business support, very uh, I'm very hands-on with our businesses. Uh, and then our pricing structure is a little bit different. So our entrance fee is $250, and that gives you the ability to use our space, provides business classes and coaching and all that support you need to really be successful. Um, but then uh, our fee is actually based on what you earn on site. So our success is very much tied to our client success. Uh, and so the more that we're able to help, um, maybe like Mom So Fit is a client that's working on uh, becoming an entrepreneur in our space. The more that we can help her do business better, the more money we make uh, as an organization. Um, let me ask, let me ask this question, and I think this might be a, might be a good place to kind of start wrapping things up. Is you mentioned a lot of these were people that they didn't have the business licenses maybe because they didn't know they should. They yes. didn't know if they were ready. How, how do I know with my business if I'm ready for Symbiobiz? Uh, I would just come give me a call. Uh, I love to talk with new entrepreneurs and kind of work through that initial phase. Um, if you are a parent entrepreneur, I encourage you to go out to Facebook and ask to join the group. I would say that's probably your best first introduction into the community. Um, and that is LS Entrepreneurs. Uh, and you can go in and join. And I encourage you to get engaged in that community. It's a group of very authentic, uh, loving, caring people who understand what it's like to grow a business and a family at the same time and feel that pull. Um, so I would encourage you to go in there, ask questions, get feedback, uh, and start to learn about how to become a real entrepreneur. Uh, we've got classes available um, all the time. We're offering between um, 10 and 20 classes per month um, at Symbiobiz that are very flexible by time bite-sized ways that you can learn how to be an entrepreneur. So come out, see our space, um, check out the website, and join our group. Awesome. Actually, if I could plug really quick, uh, we are having a launch party this Saturday. Uh, everything we do is family-friendly at Symbiobiz. So we're inviting Santa out. We're doing uh, cookie decorating with uh, the Cooking Station, which is amazing business here in Lee Summit, another family entrepreneur. Um, if you haven't checked it out, I definitely would encourage you to do that. We're going to do. Uh, we're going to have live performances, ornament decorating, uh, free drinks. Uh, Velocity is sponsoring uh, one of our sponsors for that event. Uh, and so this will be one of the only santa events where you can have sangria while you wait to see santa so be sure to check us out i don't know why that's not a requirement at all santa events right right so we're doing it um there will be latin ballroom dancing and sangria and santa and it'll be a lot of fun so three to six at symbiobiz ballroom dancing sangria yeah santa yep i'm there sweet stephanie thank you very much thanks so much for having me Jason, you and I are what I would describe as roundish. I think I would like to think of myself as well-rounded, but I might be in certain ways a little overly well-rounded. We are not the uh, beacons of health and lean bodies that we were in our youth. That is very generous of you to ever accuse me of having a lean body. <laughs> But here's the deal. Our buddies at Shred KC have the perfect way for people like us to jumpstart their fitness efforts for the next year. It's a six-week challenge. That's a lot of weeks, man. It is. There's a 
There's a money grand prize, $3,000, unlimited group classes, a weekly meal plan that comes with a grocery list, recipe book. Here's the cool thing. You get a 3D body scan, one before and one after the challenge. It's going to show you everything about your body. I'm not sure I no, want to see it, but I need to see it. I am seriously, that that sounds, I, mean, I understand that's a really cool piece of technology and a really very cool way to sort of objectively look at your progress. But man, the last thing I want to see is like a brutal 3D scan of my old butt. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and here's how you find out more. Go visit our friends at their website. It's shredaf, the number six, week.com.